0: I'm Isaac Fitzgerald, he uh, is Saeed Jones. Neither of us bribed our way into college that we know of, and you are
1: watching AM to DM. <laughs> Guys, what a joy to be hosting a live Twitter morning show. What a joy. I just want to begin our morning children by wishing a very happy birthday to the actor William H. Macy. Woo! yeah. 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 William H. Macy is 69 today. How do you pick up those candles and you just blow them off, William, because...
0: (laughs) Very nice. Uh... He was having a, thank you, thank you very much. How, uh, he's (sighs) gonna be having a day today. How was your day yesterday?
1: A gift to us all. I was on, I had my day off, you did too. I just got my whole life. Mm. It was so, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I have no remorse. Like, I understand there are stakes and everything, but the stakes and how crazy and fucked up this is, is actually why it's so delightful and so fun to see these people get their come comeuppance because mm. it confirms what we know, like, not our cynicism, but our logic in terms of seeing how the game is rigged for really wealthy white people. I got my life yesterday. You were crying. <laughs> you I was were- crying laughing. He laughed so hard he had to get back into bed. Listen, I had to take a nap, okay? I was like, I got and tap out. And listen, y'all kept the energy going while I was asleep. I see you and appreciate it. I really enjoyed that Celine Dion. Thank you.
0: There were so (sighs) many aspects of this story. So we are going to get into it. Our own Hayes Brown really summed it up. Honestly, this story has everything. Rich people in trouble. Proof you were right about those rich kids at your college. Prosecution under the RICO Act. A Balkan water polo coach. A chance to yell about systematic inequality. Full house jokes. What more could you ask for? What more indeed? Mugshots. We I are, want
1: the mugshots that's of Felicity true. Huffman and Th- Becky. That's true. Put them out there. TMZ, do your job. All right, well, there's, of course, a lot to pick. Let's take it to the timeline right now. What part of the rich people college admission scam, that's the official trademark mm-hmm. name, are you most fascinated with? Uh, we're going to be talking about it again all morning in every way I can work it in, quite frankly. Angles, Join angles, yeah, Join angles, the conversation, angles. friends, using the hashtag, the real scam is whiteness. Know that. But there's a lot of jokes that That's people were true. having and yeah. we're gonna get to all of them, mm-hmm.
0: all right? We'll get to them later. But Jessica Valenti tweeted, remember when this woman went to jail because she used her dad's address to get her kids into a better school district.
1: Man, I'm so glad that Jessica reminded us of that story. Mm-hmm. That mom, um, Kelly Williams-Bola, she was in Ohio, Ohio. she was convicted of lying about her residency to get her daughters into a better school district. This happens mm-hmm. often um, and, and it's usually black and brown or poor parents who who are actually sent to jail for it. Uh, she ended up having to spend ten days in jail. Uh, she was uh, she got three years of probation and had to pay thirty thousand dollars in back tuition. This is not college. Right. This is getting her children into a better public school district. Just using a different address. And this is because I've been thinking about this. Uh-huh. I really was thinking about this story. And
0: I was when it first hit the timeline. Uh-huh. I was not surprised, right? This is actually just proof of something that I feel like so many of us knew in our gut, but I was like, why is this story taking off in the way that it is? And I think one of the things, that I think Jessica Valenti's tweet kind of speaks to this, is we're so used to poor people right. being punished for this type of thing, mm-hmm. and rich people just feeling like it's part of right, life. Right. And I think that's where a lot of this joy came
1: from. Totally. Well, our next guest, Adrian Lawrence, had this to say, the admissions scam is a big deal because Ivy Leaguers and elite grads are presumed intelligent uh, and catapulted to prominent positions in society where they make critical decisions impacting us all the end result is idiots with nuclear code
0: adrian lawrence joins us now adrian good morning
2: good morning guys
0: Uh, all right well listen this story has everything but let's start at the beginning how did all these rich people get caught
2: well, somebody was sloppy. And it's to my knowledge that it was William Rick Singer. That's the main gentleman who was running this whole racketeering enterprise. Uh, and I had spoken to several colleagues of his that um, had actually worked in the exact same industry he did in terms of college prep opportunities. And they spoke to the quality of his work from changing essays to um, just having really shoddy information that they would provide colleges. And so everyone was a little suspicious on how are you getting these kind of less than uh, achieving children into these high level schools? So there was always that current kind of flowing underneath his work. And it just seems like he really slipped up.
1: He really slipped up. Well, um,
2: how is this
1: different from the usual accepted bribery that usually gets rich kids into fancy schools?
2: Oh, yes, like buying a wing of a hospital or donating a building. Well, in these kind of situations here, we have bribery that's going on on the outskirts, that has less of that taint of legitimacy. Um, and in this institution, or in this situation, um, particular defendants like Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, well, they were giving money to coaches or other members of administration to mark their children as being athletes so that they would get preferential treatment in terms of getting into those institutions where they otherwise had Really, no chance. And then there was also another aspect of it, which Felicity Huffman is being accused of, which is altering test scores. And uh, it's alleged that her daughter had a 400 point improvement to her test added after she took the SAT or whichever test she took in particular. Also, there were elements of having other test proctors involved where they would change the scores later. Pretty much they were doing everything that they needed to do other than actually educate and tutor their children so that they had a legitimate chance in getting into these schools.
0: Mm. Not hitting the books. Can I ask, Adrian, do we know why William H. Macy Mm -hmm. hasn't been kind of charged? It's his birthday today.
2: It is. And actually, it's their daughter's birthday tomorrow. So it's going to be a very busy <laughs> week for the family and I'm sure lots of celebration, among other things. But we know William H. Macy um, so far that he was implicated. The affidavit states Huffman and her spouse agreed to the plan. Also, they have audio recording of William H. Macy speaking to the administrators and being a part of this. So why isn't he charged, especially when we see Lori Laughlin, Aunt Becky, from Full House and her husband are charged. And also you see a number of other defendants and their spouses are charged. The reason William H. Macy hasn't been charged based on what information we have and my analysis of the situation is because he's too big a name and because there are two separate justice systems despite what the U.S. Attorney said in Boston the reality is is that they do appear to have enough to charge him. And it's unlikely that he is an informant or flipping on the system, given that Felicity Huffman, too, was involved at about the same level as he was. So it really just speaks to the fact that Privilege is what got them into this situation, and privilege is actually what's getting William H. Macy out of this situation, most likely. Yeah,
1: to that point, and I've seen a lot of people note that, listen, the only thing that is more biased in terms of wealth than the education system is the criminal justice system. So, listen, I got my fingers crossed. I want this to go to trial so the tea can continue to, you know, percolate. But do you think they will actually have, like, a trial by jury? Uh, Will they even see the inside of a prison?
2: All right, so we've got a lot of big name, big ticket, big money people. There's a good chance, unless the U.S. attorney is just not having it, that they're going to cut plea deals. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them got probation, despite the fact that honest services mail fraud and mail fraud carry up to 20 years in prison and north of a million dollar in fines. But at the same time, these are wealthy um, white people and there's a good chance that they're going to get a slap on the wrist however if the u.s attorney decides to make an example of one of them or one of them is just very indignant and feels that they are entitled to do what they did and they actually want to fight this there's a chance we could see this actually go to trial but it is very very unlikely to happen but it would be entertaining nonetheless
0: okay adrian before we let you go i want to highlight this tweet from you Something tells me there will be class action lawsuits against the testing programs or school or schools or parents for this admission scam. So let me ask this, do you have any other predictions?
2: Oh, do I have any other predictions in addition to that? Mhm. Let's see. Um I wouldn't be surprised if wealthy people end up coming up with new ways to try to sneak their kids into school as opposed to educating them, Um, since now this kind of messes up the backdoor system that they were using before. So I'm certain people will be on the lookout for those things, whether they'll actually come to the attention of law enforcement and whether they do something about it will be a little questionable. Um, As I mentioned, the whole class action angle will not be surprised. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if we see more... Uh, kind of activity from other people who have been kind of bucked from the system because they do not have privilege. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there's more speaking out. Also, if there kind of becomes more of a fight and a push in terms of, making sure that legitimate candidates get into schools and also it's going to be a question of what the privilege are going to do in order to not have to follow the rules everyone else does and unfortunately i think it's just going to be more contentious for the college admissions to the college admissions process and also more illegitimate
1: more illegitimate well we'll have to leave it there for now adrian thank you so much for joining us this morning thank you guys
0: I hope she's right, though. I hope college admissions get sh- much stronger critiques, right? Because we can see this is what it is. It's yeah. pulling the curtain back, and we're seeing what we all knew. Uh, Sayyid, you you tweeted this quote from the New York Times. Prosecutors said William Singer also falsified ethnicities and other biographical details in some cases to take advantage of affirmative Action. I just,
1: the longer we pay attention to this, and it's only day two of the story for most of us, uh, the more surreal. It's just like, wow, like all of my not my worst suspicions, but like my logic. I keep pointing to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not paranoid, I'm not cynical to believe that the game is rigged because that is a fact of life in American culture. And it's like, yeah, so of course they were doing like blackface for their college admissions application
0: It wasn't just pretend to be on the water polo sure, team. Right. <laughs> Not.
1: Oh my god, water polo. Okay, that covers the legal Angle for now. Um, Let's take it to the timeline uh, and talk about what was going on in the timeline yesterday. Isaac, you tweeted this. I'm going to call it Twitter was good today.
0: It was
1: good. It was a rare good day.
0: It felt like we had kind of gone back in time a little bit. There was less focus on Washington. We all had a story that we all kind of could bring our own. Yes. Experience. Everyone has an entry point to the story. Exactly. And all of a sudden, everyone was kind of talking about the same thing, and every tweet just wasn't like, oh my God, or this is terrible. There was a discussion around it. There were so many different aspects
1: to it, and I loved it. Yeah. And I, you know, I noted, I was like, yeah, I haven't had this much fun on Twitter since the Fire Festival in 2017. And that actually doesn't feel like a coincidence, right? There are a lot of parallels because, quite frankly, Fire Festival was probably a lot of these kids' spring break, (laughs) right? Like, I would not be surprised if Olivia Jade was like, I was trying to go there. Anyway, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News reporter, Katie Natopoulos. She's so funny. Um, If you're not mom enough to go to jail for your kids' ACT scores, shame on you. You might as well use disposable diapers and let them drink juice. ACT
0: scores is what really does it for me. (laughs) Katie joins us now. Katie, good morning.
3: Good morning.
0: Like (sighs) so many of us, you spend way too much time on Twitter. And this is what I was thinking about a lot yesterday myself. Why do you think this story took off?
3: Well, I have two theories. Um, So one is that, um, you know, it's very difficult to have really fruitful discussions about all these things about education and privilege and race and class um, and how those work together. But in this case, there was such a clear villain. And like it it, it wasn't just like everyone was like united in, oh, my God, these people are just awful. Um, it was a great leveler. It wasn't political. All sides of the spectrum could hate on these people. Um, and the other thing that I think actually made this story really good, uh, for Twitter was that, so there were a bunch of, uh, legal documents released, um, and it had a lot of, I think they had done like a wiretap, um, so they had recordings of these conversations between, you know, Felicity Huffman and the guy she was paying to fudge her kids, uh, you know, SAT scores. So it had all this amazing like snippets of dialogue and these really like sceney visual things. Like there was one part where one of the parents... Uh, was saying, you know, or the the sort of the scammer was like, hey, we need uh, a sample of your child's handwriting because he's gonna, you know, we're gonna go take the SAT for him, and she, you know she replied, well, okay, but his handwriting is really bad, and then they included a sample of the handwriting, and it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All these amazing, it wasn't just a news story. There was this like rich texture of how this whole scam, you know, unfolded. And it wasn't just, you know, you didn't just have to take, you know, a news story's word for it. Like you could see the recorded conversations between these people clearly saying, I'm going to do some crimes. (laughs) Like, here's how we're going to fudge the test scores. And these really hilarious things, like so many weird details, like... They photoshopped the kids' faces onto athletes' bodies, Um, the water polo coach, the Stanford sailing coach, like, you know, the integrity of the Stanford sailing team. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's it's
1: true. It's like the story was like grown in a lab to take over the timeline uh, quite effectively. Is there a favorite detail or anecdote? I mean, you went through so many great examples.
3: I mean, I, I think that um, there were a couple times, I think my favorite was that the parents kind of were negging their kids a little bit. Like there was one conversation between a parent and the scammer where they were like, I think they were talking about ACT scores. And they were like, we're really hoping for a and 33. And the scammer was like, all right, well, you know, test taker guy, it's gonna, if you ask for a 33, you're either going to get a 32, a 33, or a 34. They're like, no, 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 no 34. That won't look right. Like they knew their kid was too dumb.
0: They knew, they knew it, Katie. Before we let you go, just very, very quickly, I gotta ask you. You're a mother. Would you scam for your kids to get into college?
3: You know, uh, this 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 pulls on my heartstrings. My my sweet boy was just rejected from preschool, so I really, you know, know the sting. Of, uh, of what it feels like to not be able to get your child into these elite institutions. But on the other hand, these kids didn't throw a block in another kid's head like my son did. Um, oh. I, you know, I think I would not. I might I might encourage him to, you know, study for the test kind of hard.
0: All right, <laughs> and I appreciate the transparency on the block throwing. Katie, as always, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> This is the best way of my life. Uh, I just... (laughs) You're crying again! I'm crying like... I'm just so grateful. I just really want to thank all the rich white people and their dumb children who made this possible. Thank you. Okay, we have another great show for you today. Uh, Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney are here. It's a catastrophe. It's going to be awesome. Plus, I'm going to be sitting down with Justin Baldoni. Again, so excited to talk to him about some new projects. But up next, a special Caucasian caller crime edition of Fire Tweets. We're not done talking about this. We are not done talking about this.
0: Special edition of Fire Tweet. site is joyful. Let's get into it. (laughs) Andy, you tweeted, where is the conversation? Hey, I'm involved in a racketeering ring that gets kids into colleges with bribery and cheating take place.
1: Spin class? Absolutely. That is exactly where I think totally went down at SoCycle. Absolutely. Or, you know, the most recent team meeting at Goldman Sachs. (laughs) That's clearly where a lot of this... Going up into a locker room, you know, some people try to score steroids or something. This person's just like, like... yeah, go ahead, you now, I just have an image of like a dude in like a, the overcoat, you know, and it's like, hey, hey, I hear you got some dumbass kids. <laughs> Yo, man, you want some of these SATs? You want some of these <sighs> SATs? I can't. Okay, our next tweet comes from Travis Scoot, which is a funny username. Uh, no, the wildest thing here is that this is a scandal in white America. Like they dead ass thought George W. Bush got into Yale and Harvard off ability. Girl, you ain't say nothing but a word. And this is the thing, this Ooh. is why, again, I feel like this story really has just gotten
0: everyone involved because it showed us what in our hearts we knew, Yeah, right? Yeah. You're kind of breathing this and you're like, I feel like something's really off here, but this actually has the proof. It has the receipts. It has yeah. the facts of everything we know about privilege and established oh my gosh. structural privilege yeah. in this
1: in this nation. Someone yesterday, I think, in response to this sh- uh, tweet, shared uh, uh, an uh, excerpt of, uh, or the, actually the whole thing, JFK's college admission speech. That thing. It was like he dipped oh, his, his letter. His, his letter. letter. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like he dipped his pen in mayo and just wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it was so basic. Oh my god. I remember. He's
0: like, my dad's a Harvard man. I want to be a Harvard man too. It's like four sentences. <laughs> (laughs) 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 Bob tweeted, admissions office, your child was not accepted to our college. Felicity Huffman, then I will have to do a crime. Admissions office, You can just donate some money, and we'll let them in. Felicity Huffman, a crime I shall do. Admissions office, just make a donation. Felicity Huffman, crime time. Oh,
1: man. Mm. Listen, Felicity should be shook, because people are like, how will this impact her career? And I'm like, literally, I've been confusing her for Edie Falco for years. Felicity, girl, you are replaceable. You are in danger. Forget about prison time, girl. You ain't gonna get no more screen time, honey. There is a line of middle-aged white women who could play you at the drop of a hat. Here's, okay, here's the thing. my time is making calls,
0: I, I darling. I do want to say this. I do want to say this. One of the things that stands out to me about this as well is especially the kids, mm-hmm. right? And a oh, lot yeah. of them are vloggers. Instagram Jade. I don't think they really wanted to go to college. Like, this was Super so dinner. much about parents' anxieties, right? It was these yeah. kids probably would have been like, give me the $500,000. I'm going to go start my own fuck Jerry
1: company and I'm going to be happy. Like, and this is all about the parents' anxieties. Uh, Olivia was trying to go to Fiji and mind her own business. And I just shout out to Olivia Jade and the fact that you can just go through all of these people's tweets and see them talking Could about it. Did you imagine
0: right. being a kid and finding this out that this,
1: never mind. Incredible, mm-hmm. incredible. All right, our next tweet is from Robert Flores. You tweeted. Next thing, oh, what happened? Did you? Thank you. (laughs) Next thing you're going to tell me is Topanga is running a trap house. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because she
0: is. Okay, tweet of the day comes from Mike. Let's do it. (laughs) Ivy League school water polo practice. Coach, What the hell is going on here? Kid who obtained a fraudulent scholarship attempting to calm down a terrified horse. Everything is fine! (laughs) These kids didn't play these sports! They didn't know how these
1: sports got done! I do want to know, like, as this continues to develop and stuff, like, how does that work? Because, yeah, now you're on the water polo team or or now you're in a very competitive school and you're like, what the fuck? Like...
0: (laughs) In the transcripts, there's the parent being like, how dare they question me just because this high school doesn't
1: have that kind of team. Yeah. Shout out to the kid who got into Northeastern um, after their parent paid all that money. Shout out to the kid who uh, whose parents paid $500,000 to get into the University of San Diego, which has a 51% acceptance rate. Mm. Yeah. Dang. All right. Well, coming up, Isaac and I was <laughs> Isaac is going to sit down with Sharon Oregon and Rob Delaney, the creators and stars of Catastrophe. But up next, we're going live from the District. We got to raise the bar on our expectations for white people <laughs> to talk about DC news. So just wait for that.
0: Welcome back. We're going live from the district and we're currently watching the Manafort sentencing. No real news there yet, but be sure to be following Zoe Tillman for more updates there. Right now, we're joined by BuzzFeed News politics reporter Lysandra Villa. Good morning, Lisa.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. How are ya?
1: Pretty good, yeah. cause we're not in jail.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't bribe our kids. To go it's always to go. good to start the day off that way.
1: Mm-hmm. That,
0: you're absolutely right, Lisa. Here's a tweet from you. Former Congressman Ruben Key Wen did not run for re-election after he was accused of sexual harassment. Now he's running for a city council seat, forcing the question: Can men come back after Me Too? And
1: what of the communities wrecked by the scandals? So, Lisa, uh, who is Ruben Key Wen? Uh, where's he? From? from, where does he represent, and uh, what exactly happened with the sexual harassment scandal?
4: Ruben ki is a Democrat who was a one-term congressman here in the House of Representatives. He represented a district in Nevada, and the sky was the limit for this guy. He was truly on track to be a big name in national politics until BuzzFeed News broke the story in December of 2017 that there was a woman sexually harassing him, and several others came out after that.
0: Okay, so he didn't run for re-election, but now he's trying to run for city council. Why does he kind of so desperately want to get back in the game?
4: So that's kind of the interesting thing about this, right, is that normally we wouldn't be talking about a modest city council seat, even if it is in Las Vegas. It it sort of seems like a very local story, except for this raises a lot of questions about the big picture um, and what follows the Me Too movement. So what next can can men come back after they've been accused of sexual harassment? and can the communities that once helped lift them up to their previous heights uh, uh, forgive and forget, give them a pass? Um, And when is it appropriate to do that? So he didn't wait very long to announce that he was running for the seat um, beyond just a couple of days after he finishes his his one and only term in Congress, and now all eyes are on this race to see see what happens. Yeah, how is he
1: trying to spin this as he campaigns? I, I have to imagine he's being asked about it by reporters
4: he is. So one of the things, I actually went to Las Vegas to report on this story. And one of the things that I didn't appreciate until I was on the ground was how heavily Spanish speaking this area is. Um, And Ruben Keywen is able to move back and forth between both languages very easily. And I listened to one radio interview that he did last month, where he really downplays the allegations. He says that um, he got in trouble for piropos, which are pickup lines, um, and got in trouble for flirting. And then he says that it's important to note that he didn't get uh, in trouble for raping anyone, and no one had accused him of rape. So it was a very interesting downplay of the allegations in Spanish, and a lot of the people that I spoke with felt that that was really taking advantage of, of, um, some, of some of his audience and a lot of the voters.
0: And who is he running against, and are they kind of trying to raise the awareness of the scandal with these local voters?
4: There are multiple candidates in this race, but two of the top candidates that I spoke with, one has been in the race for more than a year, and the other has a very similar profile to, to QNs, both are women. Um, and both of them are trying very hard to stay focused on their race and kind of let the, you know, they know there's noise around them, but they're really trying to stick to, to the issues that they're running on. Um, but this is a narrative that has really overtaken this entire race. And the focus is really on like, well, did QN do something wrong and should we vote for him?
0: And will there be any implications or any consequences for it? Lisa, thank you so much for your story and thank you so much for joining us this morning.
4: Thanks for having me. See you later.
0: All right, up next, I'm really excited because I get to sit down with the creators and stars of Catastrophe, Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan. Stay tuned. I'm going to ask them about this scandal. I'm throwing, we're going to keep talking. I just want to keep... Have you been to jail? Okay, all right. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Come on. Welcome back. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney, the creators and stars of the incredible show, Catastrophe. Good morning, guys. Morning. How you doing? Great, thanks. You're okay. Nice to see you. I gotta ask. I just want to start. I'm going to throw out the script for a second. Trip. Have you been following this college admission scandal story? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you find as much joy in it? I mean, it's Boy. pretty
5: amazing. I mean, there's the horrible aspects and stuff that they use, like special proctors that are to be reserved for kids with disabilities and stuff. So it is, there's a real nefarious, evil element to it where people actually suffer. There's that side of it, and then there's a the side of it where it's just terrific fun. Uh, <laughs> so it's there's it's sort of two sides to the coin there. But
6: The sense that Felicity Huffman might be a flight threat is... I know, yeah, Yeah, that
0: was, was
6: yeah,
0: I I saw a lot of that too, kind of the overkill that when Mm -hmm. it came into taking it into custody, absolutely. But enough about the current news. Let's talk (laughs) catastrophe. Season four, final season, coming to Amazon this Friday. Uh How did you know it was time to walk away?
6: Well, (laughs) I I was telling my mom this morning. Yeah, I said, tell me what you said to your mom. I
5: said to my mom, I was like, I couldn't be prouder of Catastrophe, but if we did some bad episodes, I could be be less
6: proud. Yeah. So
5: there's no, we've said what we wanted to say. It felt right. And uh, we don't want to make stinkers.
6: Yeah. And I guess we got to end it in the way we wanted to. You know, mm. which not everyone gets a chance to do that.
0: You feel like this gives you the ability to kind of stick yeah. the landing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think
6: so. Stick the landing. Yeah. Yes, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. Would you? Would you guys collaborate again? Because you've made oh, such yeah. an
0: incredible show. yeah, so. i Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. A, like, like a less. What would the name be? I'm trying to think of what the opposite of is.
6: I know is. exactly what. The, no, I have no idea. Jazen. Jazin. No, stick the landing. Stick the landing. Stick the landing. And would be very positive and sort of you know. Jazz the landing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Jazz the landing. <laughs> you guys, like, you, you do, though. In Catastrophe, you cover a lot of dark topics as well as being yeah. hilarious. Do you approach joke writing differently when you're covering something like
6: alcoholism or grief? We well, you try and up the jokes for grief. Yeah, and I mean, it's just them. gotta be
5: funny, you know? Because, like, there's nothing that you can't joke about if your volition is to try and make the world a marginally better place, you know what I mean? So there's no topic that you shouldn't bring humor to bear on, we think. Yeah. So we love to make yeah. jokes about you know, darker stuff.
6: Totally. It helps.
0: It helps. Do you guys have a process? Is there, like, does one of you kind of come in with, like, the raw material and then you guys workshop it? Like, what is what is writing the... I mean, you have so many jokes uh, per episode. We,
6: we kind of... We both come in with sort of stories and yeah. ideas and stuff and then sort of over the course of the, the writing period, it sort of gets turned into um, fiction. We just sort of sit side by side with a typewriter, a very old typewriter, it takes a little while to <laughs> yep. get a through. Yeah. gift from it. Tom Hanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: probably our biggest.
6: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just
0: smokes cigars and yeah. really yeah. workshop it.
5: We
6: just sit there and tap mm-hmm. it out. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard work. It's, just the two of us, and mm-hmm. and so, you know, it takes a while to get through it all, but we just sort of... Which is you know. really
5: the best part. I mean, the yeah. writing is the most fun. Then that's we the then part. we look, then we remember that we have to do all the stuff. We After. did one thing in the second or third season where I was like, and then I'm running down the street in my underwear, and then it was yeah. cold out, and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm also the executive producer. Yeah. I'm putting on a bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nobody could do anything about it.
0: And that's how it played out. Yeah. Uh, do you... I mean there's so much that you guys tackle but one of the things that's been tackled in this season is kind of how men benefit benefit from sexism in the workplace right mm. Is that why you started your own production
6: company Merman Um I think I started it to yeah take control of things um a little bit and yeah to to work with um definitely to work with more women to tell more female stories not that that's entirely what it's about but yeah
0: Is there something you look for in a project? Is there something that, like, how it really catches your eye?
6: I don't know. It's a really tough one to answer. It just has to have something about it that no one else is, is doing. You know, it can't be sort of cookie cutter stuff or something that people just think they should be writing about right now. It just has to have a certain... It's gonna have that magic. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and Rob, you you're, you're you've got a new sh- uh, movie coming out about Fox News.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm acting in um, Jay Roach's uh, new movie about Roger Ailes. Yeah. Um, he's uh, one of America's more celebrated sexual predators. Mm. And uh, he also started a little <laughs> a little company called Fox News. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, Charlize yeah. Theron plays Megyn Kelly in it, and I'm her producer. So we kind of, not dissimilar to episode five of the new season where we're trying to figure out, you know, the sexual politics of the workplace and stuff in a very gray manner. Not like, this is right, this is wrong. That's what a lot of that movie is about. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a tremendous So
6: you're saying time. we did it first as well? Did yeah, <laughs> what
5: I'm saying is, we did it. Roger Ailes found out about it and then went back in time oh. and did all that stuff to those women.
0: Yeah, know. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Did you do research for it? Like, uh, to, to be a Fox News producer? And also, like, uh, Throne, th- th- she kind of said that she has empathy for Megyn Kelly now, in a way. Did you find anything yeah. like that?
5: Yeah, I mean, I don't like Megyn Kelly. I think she's a net negative in the world. Sorry, Megyn. Um, but I do, you do see in this decision-making process, sh- she might be a bigot, an overpaid, windbag bigot, but she's also a human woman worthy of respect, which Roger Ailes absolutely treated her like a bag of garbage and a lot of other women. So you can, you know, bad things happen to people that I might not like, but that doesn't mean I want it to happen, you mm-hmm. know? So so yeah, you do feel for Megyn Kelly for a little bit, and then you're like, ah, get out of here.
0: <laughs> for a little bit. All right, right, let's. I'm, before I let you guys go, I wanted to play like a quick game that I feel like you both are the most uniquely qualified to play, all right? It's basically going to be a version of what is more catastrophic UK-US edition, all right? So I'm going to say two things, one from Britain, one from the US. You let me know which one you think is more of a catastrophe. Are you ready? You got it? I got Mm -hmm. it. Makes sense? All right. Out of these two heads of state, which is a bigger catastrophe, President Donald Trump or Prime Minister Theresa May? (laughs) <laughs> right? but I feel like we all see eye to eye on that one. Yeah. I mean, she's terrible, but she can also
5: form sentences. You know what I mean? She's yeah. not, she doesn't have like advanced like neurosyphilis, <laughs> so like she's very <laughs> awful in many similar ways. But, but nobody's yeah, as bad as exactly. Trump.
6: She's read a book or two. Yeah. She's, she, she, can she, she can read.
0: Yeah. She can read. That's what it
6: comes down also, to. Also, what a great dancer.
0: Yeah, she's an amazing. Dancer, <laughs> right? yeah. 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 Which tabloid is the bigger catastrophe? Sorry, that was really okay. good. Bigger, bigger catastrophe, TMZ or the Daily Mail?
6: Uh, I, I don't really know TMZ, but the Daily Mail is a real piece of shit. Did, you guys are seeing eye to eye.
0: Fox News has
5: so much work to do. It's in its infancy of sowing hatred compared to British press.
0: It can't even can't really? compete. Really? Oh, my That's God. Yeah. Do you guys have a, a moment? Do you have a story, something you remember where the Daily Mail just really did you wrong?
6: Did Not me wrong? Right? No, me personally, no. Personally...
0: Um, Hmm, wish I did. Yeah, (laughs)
6: good. This segment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) But but basically, they're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. All right, got it. Fast food chain, Popeyes, or Nando's. I don't know
6: Popeyes. You think Popeyes is the
0: bigger catastrophe? I mean, Nando's I mean, it's, it's
5: cares grand. about your chicken yeah. experience. Yeah. I mean, like Nando's is like legitimate it, Portuguese I mean, recipes. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not as
6: good as they as they make out, you know. But, but they, it's grand. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah.
5: Like if, like if you wind up at Nando's, I'm. I don't seek it out, but when I wind up there, I'm like glad I'm yeah, this here. Yeah,
6: fine. But what do Popeyes make? Let me tell you, it's fried chicken, and I'm actually, oh, I'm a okay. big Popeye's guy, right. but
0: I've never had Nando's. Okay,
5: so
6: Popeye's, I like Popeye's.
5: Yeah, yeah. I just like Nando's more, so it's not, I'm not saying Popeye's is bad, I'm just saying Nando's Do is Popeyes
6: better. Do Popeye's uh, peri-peri, because- No, 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 that, no, no, no. Oh, fried okay. chicken. All oh, right, 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 <laughs> all right, I got,
0: last one, TV host, Tucker Carlson-
4: <laughs> or Piers Morgan. Oh my oh, God! I'm signing like, oh, yeah. right. right.
0: up. <laughs> Both of them? You're
5: trying to rip They're it apart? Bad. Like Piers Morgan? They asked me to be on Piers Morgan the other day, and uh, I was like, really?
0: No. Yeah. Uh,
6: and I would. Why waste anyone's time? <laughs> Literally including his. <laughs> I would just throw I, things. I, at him. I actually am gonna say Tucker Carlson. He's much. He's more of a monster. I mean, Piers is a uh, more of a fool and a sort of minor bigot. Tucker seems like a well, terrible, just bad. Just for that, I'm gonna do this, what? and here's. That's why. Ooh, Tucker Carlson debate.
5: has never done anything good. Whereas Piers Morgan is a little bit more of an of a, of a intellectual play. He's like, okay, what should I do the opposite of today to get in the news? And he was like big on gun control yeah. in America. So he's that I can think of one good thing that he's done. Whereas yeah. Tucker Carlson can suck my diarrhea out of Ooh. my butt.
0: Oh, okay, wow. I actually would say that that seems like you guys agree. <laughs> oh, Tucker right. Carlson is But the no, lead. what I'm saying is I'm mad at Piers Morgan because he knows better. Tucker Carlson right. is just a FM And we're going to leave it there. Guys, okay. congratulations on such an incredible show. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's so, so good and so many people love it. Thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, listen, the fourth and final season of Catastrophe will be streaming on Amazon Prime this Friday, March 15th. Up next, we're talking about the Bachelor finale. Do you guys have any like real hot takes you wanted to I, leave I've there? I've never seen, seen it seen in it. my yeah, life. That is yeah. exactly the right answer. Me neither. Wish <laughs> them all the best. Thank you guys Thank so you. much. Fun.
7: Here's a tweet from Brianna. Me at the end of every season of The Bachelor. I hate this show. This season was a waste of time. I am never watching again. Me when a new season is announced. Yeah, Brianna, I feel that really hard. And yes, the day has arrived. The producers are finally letting me talk about The Bachelor. I know everyone is excited. And I'm joined by Kelly Keegs, host of the podcast Wine with Kelly and avid Bachelor live tweeter. Kelly, I was telling you, I have followed you on Twitter for The Bachelor for so long. I'm so oh excited God, to meet you in real life. <laughs> thank so you. Here I am. Yeah. Everyone is just called, as good as advertised. Just as yeah. good as on Twitter. Mm-hmm. As the only thing we can all hope for. Right. Always. So, for those of us who didn't watch this season, why was the end of this season such a complete mess?
8: So I feel like there's always a, you know, at the end of The Bachelor, there's always a definite answer. There's always, he chooses someone, they're either getting engaged or they're, you know, going to get married or somebody gets dumped and everybody's unhappy, whatever. This time around, I don't feel like we got any sort of closure whatsoever. Cassie and Colton are now dating, but they really don't know where it's going to go. They're not like moving in together. They're not doing anything, which I do think is smart. However, I don't feel like, I don't feel satisfied at the end of the season. I don't feel good About any sort of outcome whatsoever. There wasn't nothing happened. Nothing really went on.
7: I feel like a lot of people watching Cassie, especially as women, obviously, you're gonna see yourself in whatever your experience is. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people watching Cassie just really felt like she didn't like him very much and was just kind of going along for the ride. I feel
8: bad. I mean he's gonna get he's going to get his heart broken so bad, and we're all going to watch it in real time. And I I don't know if I can handle it. And it's just like, i if I have to watch him stare at her with those doe eyes for another, like, two hours at a time, I'll just, I don't know what I'll do. It's just, it's heartbreaking. It's honestly heartbreaking. It's coming for him. He better get ready. Do you think that the producers had any,
7: like, do you think that they kind of led him astray in any way or made him think, like, she... Honestly, think no. think it's all on her? I
8: think it's all on her. I also think it's a lot on him. I know we're putting a lot of blame on Cassie right now for kind of, you know, just being wishy-washy about the situation, but truly... Colton's acting a little delusional at the moment. Like, he's just, he's one-track mind. He wants Cassie, and that's it, and I get it. But at the same time, it's, you know, there comes a certain time where it's like, you got to give it up, man. You got to just relax. And I think he should have done that.
7: A lot of people also, this is something interesting that I felt. A lot of people gave a lot of shade to Cassie's dad for coming in and mm-hmm. basically convincing Myself her. Included. Yeah, yeah, convincing her to, that maybe she wasn't ready. I actually have a different take. I think that he was trying to help her. But you say that you think that he was being a little... What is it, patriarchal? Or he should have just butted out? No, no, definitely
8: not definitely not patriarchal. I think that um, it was more so, they were putting so much pressure on the word engagement. They kept saying, Cassie needs to come in and be engaged at the end of the show. And she was like, I'm not ready to be engaged. Okay, there are no rules written in The Bachelor. Every, they change the rules every single season. Chris Harrison lets us know that they change the rules. So I don't understand why she was so hung up on that, especially when she told Colton, I'm not ready for an engagement. And he was like, okay perfect like we can just date like i love you that much i just want to date you it's fine cassie's dad flies all the way into portugal to be like honey you're not ready like it's not happening right now like you're not ready to get engaged it's like yeah duh He's, she's not ready to get engaged she just said that colton agreed why can't they just date why can't she have a boyfriend it's I,
7: weird. I, that almost made me wonder if she had let it slip to her mom and her sisters that she really wasn't into him at all and she was looking Honestly, for an escape. You might be right about that. I thought she that could've. maybe her dad was like, dude, I just need to get in like there and give button. her the out. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Honestly, it could
8: be. My dad would be my panic button for this. I know, it. I, I, so I know,
7: I know, right? That, that's yeah, so true. Okay, absolutely. so this season's over. They're probably not going to stay together, but maybe they will. Let's move on to the new Bachelorette, which— I was read a People Magazine headline who said it had mixed, she had mixed reviews. It's Hannah mixed B., reviews. a.k.a. Hannah Beast, because she likes to growl sometimes.
8: Which, awful nickname, man.
7: If my like, nickname was, like,
8: Kelly Beast, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I'd be livid, honestly. Wouldn't be thrilled.
7: So, well, Ashley Spivey, who, if you've watched the show for a really long time, like mm-hmm. I have, Shout you know, Spivey, was yeah. on Brad Womack's season, like, way, way long ago. Mm-hmm. She said that she, uh, Hannah really needs some media training. And that's exactly— Exactly so what I thought as well. I think I tweeted something similar to this because mm-hmm. when they introduced her as the Bachelorette last night, she just looked completely, like, terrified and awkward. Absolutely. And I've, I've never seen someone on the show be less prepared to be on the
8: show. It was kind of sad. It was kind of sad. And it makes, me, it makes me upset almost as if they were, I don't think they were, like, setting up for failure, but they absolutely did not prepare her enough for that. And even if they had just the long pauses that she took to spit anything out, like, there has to be a little bit of of copy to kind of, you know, at least resort to if you're too nervous. Like, if you're nervous, just say this. Like, if you're, you know, if you're nervous, whatever, just act this way and you'll be fine and it'll be over soon. And she just had none of that. And I kind of felt like she was kind of left out, you know, left out to dry. Just like hung out to dry, whatever
7: the yeah, expression is. A lot of people are hating on her, but I think that she can pull it together. It can be a good season. I was
8: hating on her pretty hard. I, I'm i not a huge Hannah B fan. I'm I'm willing to be turned around, though. I feel like, um, I feel like ABC does a good job of that. They always let us know how to feel while watching The Bachelor, and I'm sure they will let me know that it's okay to feel for <laughs> Hannah B once she comes on. And, uh, but for now, I'm not excited, I'm not ready, but, you know, come come the premiere, I'll be I'll be on our team, I'm sure.
7: That is so true, That is that sums up the whole thing to me. Yep. And also, like the tweet in the beginning,
8: we both say like, eh, but you know we'll be watching in May. I mean, yeah, there's no way I'm not watching, so totally. that's, just, that's just the facts.
7: Those are the facts. Well, Kelly, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Be sure to follow her on Twitter, she has great tweets. And up next, keeping with this theme, Saeed is sitting down with Jane, the virgin star, Justin Baldoni. Because the Virgin Bachelor, you yeah. know. Excellent.
1: This is this is a doubt, and I'm here with actor Justin Baldoni, star of Jane the Virgin, and director of the upcoming film Five Feet Apart. Hello, how are you, my friend? <laughs> so good to see you. So good good man. To see you. I love it. So you were just telling me you've been directing for 12 years, but Five Feet Apart is your uh, debut as a director for a feature film. What was it like? Is it very different from the work you've done before behind camera? Oh my God, it's so different. It's a uh,
9: it's a huge undertaking, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of. It's also terrifying. At the end of the day, I mean, you in in the feature world, if the movie doesn't work, it's 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 basically your fault. Huh. So, um, <laughs> sure. and you know, for my first film as a studio movie with this many theaters and this kind of release, I, you know, it was a lot of pressure, especially yeah. for me because this is such a personal project. And there's so much like, you know, it's like my
1: heart is Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah. And I wanted Um, to talk to you about it. I mean, as you said, it's anyway, just being a director, a lot of pressure, but you know, cystic fibrosis and and, and the story that this movie tells is so intense. And so I wanted to ask you, like, why did you decide to take on this challenge? What pulled you into this?
9: Well, I started directing a documentary series like seven years ago called My Last Days. Mm -hmm. And My Last Days was basically me and a small camera crew. And we traveled the country and we told these unbelievable stories of beautiful human beings that were choosing hope and happiness and love in the face of tremendous adversity and that Mm -hmm. adversity being a terminal or chronic illness. And uh, in the second season of the show that airs in the CW, I met a young woman named Claire Wineland Mm -hmm. and I told her story and that was my first experience with cystic fibrosis Mm -hmm. and I fell in love with her. She was just this bright ball of light that, um, she really changed the world and changed my perspective on illness and uh-huh. what it meant to be sick um, and it was through that conversation that I learned that two people with cystic fibrosis um, because of the way the, the the illness works they can't touch and if you don't know what CF is it's essentially a it's a genetic disease that causes your body to produce excess mucus, mm. so you, and it affects the lungs primarily, mm. so you kind of become like this walking petri dish for bacteria. Right. right. Um, so to so people with CF, dangerous. there's cross infection, yeah. You know, because if you sneeze or cough, right. for you and I, it doesn't matter, but if you have CF, you can actually cough and transmit that bacteria to somebody else, and it can be dangerous if not deadly.
1: So it's a, it's a huge concern in the CF community. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, so obviously, you know, very emotional, I mean, just, just so I'm thinking, trying not to think about some of the scenes. <laughs> I'm talking to you, but so to that point, what was it like on set? How did how did you kind of guide everyone through these very difficult scenes? How did you find opportunities for levity or joy? That's a, that's a great question. So you know, it is a it, it is heavy, but I also
9: I also feel like it's it's equally joyful mm. and funny.
1: Mm.
9: You know, every time we've tested the film. There, we realize there's far more laugh After. moments mm-hmm. than there are cry moments. Mm-hmm. And what I learned, especially from Claire and, you know, uh, we made another documentary about a dear friend of mine with CF named Travis Flores. Mm-hmm. And just a quick sidebar, Travis right now is fighting for his life. He's had his, he's had two double lung transplants oh and both have failed. He's in chronic rejection and he's trying to get a third right now. Um, and so, uh, but again, these people have taught me that that there, you know, there are just as many beautiful, funny moments mm-hmm. when you are chronically or terminally ill mm-hmm. um, than, as there are sad moments. Mm. And many of them know how to live far better than you or I. I mean, it's 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 pretty amazing. So for me, it was just about balance. It's like, you know, you can't have—the the movie doesn't work if it's all sad. Mm. The whole point of making this movie is to inspire people, to appreciate life, to to, like, look at love in a unique way, to realize that, you know— that intimacy is not dependent on human touch, right? That, that sex and love are not synonymous. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's all these different big themes. And so for us on set, it was just all about like, well, how can we also bring ourselves to this? How can we bring light to this? How can we infuse these scenes with truth and sincerity? So it was actually quite a uplifting okay. environment for the actors. Um, and also, Haley and Cole are just massive goofballs. Okay. So like, <laughs> that you helps. Know, you know, they'd have these moments where they're in their scene, or Haley's like sobbing, or they're super intense. And then, like, a couple minutes later, they're like making fart jokes. And it's like, all right. <laughs> it's all happening. It's all it's happening. All happening.
1: Uh, well, speaking of joy, uh, this morning has been a delight because of the college admissions scandal. It's just, it makes me so happy. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's funny for the people involved. <laughs> That's true, but I'm getting my life. I just heard about it. Oh, you, know, you just heard about it. So uh, you're a parent to two adorable kids as well. I so. am
9: parents to I uh, yes, I am uh I am parents to,
1: to a, a father to two sweethearts. Oh yeah. my god, so I mean have you what is it like as a parent seeing this unfold? I mean, I I asked you literally when Justin no. Waton said, I was like, have you committed any crimes today? No. no. He said on the record, no.
9: <laughs> uh you know, I just Look, I think that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm. And I just, you know, I, I can never look at what somebody else does and judge it. I think that when you are a parent, you love your child so much. Mm-hmm. It's the way I describe being a parent is, is it's like your heart is existing outside of your body at all times. Huh. Um, and you don't have the protection of your rib cage. Mm-hmm. It's just out in the world. Right. And it's such a vulnerable thing to be a parent. And uh, and so, look. You only want what's best for your child, and I think that some people get caught up maybe in right. in ideas or schemes and don't even realize they're breaking the law because they're so they're so in love with their children right. and their hope for you know a, you know everyone wants their child to have a beautiful future and the best opportunity. Right. And I think sometimes maybe
1: people can get lost in that and I, I mean and I, I think a lot of people feel this way. I, I yeah. tend to stand up and, and fight for my friends and loved ones, sometimes even more than I would. Oh yeah, you have myself. to man. So That's how do, so important. Yeah, so how do but how do you learn that balance? Like you uh, we all understandably would do anything for our, our loved ones, but how do we
9: Well, I think ideally the balance is within the law, mm-hmm. right? You know, you I would hope that, you know, you do anything for your child and you try to do it legally. <laughs> uh, that's the, at least the way i'm i just, it just uh, hit me again how that's, surreal this that's the is, way though. i'm <laughs> going to think about it but it, you know but at the <laughs> same time like i mean look i yeah. you know i didn't i didn't score high on my sat's and if, if it weren't for athletics i probably wouldn't have even gone to a good school mm-hmm. i mean I, I didn't even fit i didn't even graduate college mm-hmm. i i left to pursue my to pursue my dreams mm-hmm. so you know you're sitting next to a Uh, uh, someone that didn't graduate college. So it's worked out so far, but at the same time, you know, it's really important. You you know, you want your kids to have the best chance at life possible. And it's a tough world. So I don't, I don't really look at it. I just don't, you know, I just wish everybody the best and I hope it works out for them. That's true. That's true. I don't. Uh,
1: I don't. I, I want drama out there. So, <laughs> well, I, your job depends on That <laughs> <you. laughs> shit me right? something to talk about. I can feel Twitter like looking at me, so we need to talk about Jane the Virgin. Uh, <laughs> um, going into the final season, is there something that Raphael has not gotten to do on the show yet that you would love to see him do? Mm. Or have him do on the spinoff? You know, Raphael's not going to be on the spinoff.
9: Damn, okay. I know. See, I was trying. That's because Justin's got to go direct another movie. Oh, okay, fine. And so, you know, and Raphael and Justin haven't been able to coexist in the same place without, you know, uh, okay. yeah, so we have Justin's to, got a life. They have to separate for a while. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just really excited about this final season. I yeah. think that it's really well written. Jenny okay. Ehrman, our show creator, has done such a beautiful job and... It's just the story, you don't know how the storylines can get better, but they do. Okay. And it's been such a joy to play Raphael, man, like this guy is such a huge part of me. Mm. And to see his growth as as a man, uh-huh. right, as, as kind of I've been growing as a man and talking right. about the things that we I've been talking about and to see him kind of embodying a lot of these things mm-hmm. has been just a really cool chapter in my life, you know. I became a parent at the same time as he did. Wow. And. You know, it's just been really special. So I think fans can can expect uh, a full and happy season, okay. uh, with a lot of drama and a and a nice ending. Can you
1: give us any hints?
9: I think you're gonna, you know. If you're watching on your phone, you might throw your phone. You no, know, oh, okay. If you have, Damn. if you watch, whether, if you watch, watching the, Jane the Virgin on
1: your phone sounds like I a thing. I don't know. I,
9: I don't know. Yeah, but I, unfortunately, <laughs> that's the world we live in, right? Most right. people are, like, are watching on their phones right now. Right. But that's true. I think that, you know, you're, or you'll drop your phone.
1: Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of those kind of moments. Like, right. no, yes, no, yes. Do you want Raphael and Jane to end up together? Like, you personally, Justin, do you want that? Uh, I think, I think I do. Okay. Yeah. Look, I think that they make each other better. I think that and I think that Jane, I think she's definitely happier with him
9: that's why. Yeah, but I think but I also love what Jane does to Raphael. Mm. She challenges him and she she pushes him and he wants to be a better man because she's in his life and I relate mm. to that with my wife Emily who does the same thing for me. That'd mm. be a mess if
1: it weren't for her. Oh, that's okay. So that's like uh, uh, Tony Morrison and Beloved a character says like I didn't fall in love with you, I rose in love with you.
9: That's exactly what it is. Mm. And I think that the right person is a mirror to you and never uh, lets you settle and uh, and pushes you to be the best
1: version of yourself. And I think that that they do that for each other, which is why I think it's a great love story. I love it. And, th- and this is why Justin Baldoni is a man. Children, we love him. We stand. <laughs> Justin, thank you for coming back. This is <laughs> oh, your second man. time on the show. Yeah, it's such so a pleasure. Great. And congrats on journey. everything, man. Of course, of course. And congrats to you. Five Feet Apart hits theaters on Friday, March 15th. That is so soon. Uh, up next, Isaac and I are going to read more of your tweets. What a day. Was this show everything you wanted it to be? <sighs> yes. You know, I, I tried, guys, for us to have a four-hour-long special edition of AM to do <laughs> to talk about the college admissions. Scan. Again, it's just getting started. They arrested over 50 people yesterday, and the DA um, out of Boston said that, you know, more is coming. Tip of the iceberg I, is the phrase that I, comes to mind. <laughs> tip of the iceberg. I don't know if I've ever been so excited to co- of something to come out of Boston. This is how I feel. You are from Eth Hall, Massachusetts. No, I, I was born in Boston. Oh, right, okay. Was, what? Second time. Wow. Second time wow. before you wow. go, wow.
0: another the friendship world. test. <laughs> We're going to oh, no,
1: not the friendship Jesus. test. Jesus, <laughs> wow. Doesn't even know where I'm from. I'm going to read a tweet. Uh, we asked what part of the Rich People College admission scam was your favorite, as if you could choose Zernil Hustle. What a good name. I like that. You tweeted uh, using Amazon to get water polo gear for fake photos, rich people use rhyme to. It is relatable. I just... That the sports angle to it for me is just like there was
0: like one person that was like they were like she was in like the top five of all of California and it turned out one didn't play tennis since she was like twelve or the kid was like twelve and like uh, I'm
1: pretty sure it came in like two hundred and seven was the actual right I saw that one kid it was like you know used football as a and it was like his school didn't even have a football team it's incredible and also you know I mean there's so many facets to this a lot like crew water polo a lot of these sports you know are like very moneyed sports, mm. and that's like an interesting... Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's just... I mean, I just... I want the book. I want the the competing... <laughs> you know? I want the competing documentaries <laughs> released the same week. I want... I just want it all. Fire Festival 2.0. <laughs>
0: and Ethan added the ego and the hubris. How did they mm. think they wouldn't get caught? Everyone gets caught. That's true. To that point, though, Not I would everyone. argue people have been buying their way into college throughout yeah. history. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, especially to the point the conversation you were just having with Baldoni, kind of this idea of like, well, i do anything for my kids. Right. If other people are doing it too, you know, you can kind of see, especially yeah. when you come from a very privileged place, how all of a sudden it starts feeling like, well, this is what's right for my kid, as opposed to what it actually was, which was doing crimes. And again, I hope the pendulum swings back. I think we should examine what it's like for families that can buy wings of libraries right. and get to have their kids go to Absolutely. those schools, get have those legacy kids. I hope that this becomes a really big part of this conversation. And also, I
1: just... Part of it's a worldview thing. You know, like, I just... I know already that I will be tough on my kids. Like, I expect excellence from myself and everyone I care about. Um, But I I just feel like, wouldn't the toughness be like, I'm going to get you the best tutors Mm -hmm. and you are going to study. You are going to be smart. You are Mm going to be smart, darling, Mm -hmm. out here. Like, that's part of what's bizarre to me is that the disservice, ultimately, like, I know these kids are very privileged, but the ultimate disservice that's been done to them by their parents, Mm -hmm. by having their opportunities for learning, resilience, transformation taken away Mm -hmm. from them, whether or not the kids wanted it, you know, like, it's kind of bizarre.
0: Yeah, so again, these kids almost all of them didn't know this was happening. Olivia yeah. so
1: like, was chilling. They're just like, what the <laughs> hell? Oh my God. Okay. Well, Jen had this to say about Isaac's interview with Rob Delaney and Sharon mm. Horgan, which had me screaming in the control room. Oh, this saying about the interview. This is just okay,
0: <laughs> Rob
1: Delaney is a snack. Hello. He is quite absolutely tall. absolutely a he is handsome, quite
0: tall. handsome yes. man. Yes. Uh, but they were absolutely delightful. They I were. just love that show so much. If you guys
1: aren't watching it, like, start watching it. Yeah. It's so, so. I need good. to add it to my queue. I'm still making it, I'm like season seven of Adventure Time, but eventually I'll get back to watching 5000 Put put it on the to watch list for sure. I've heard nothing but great things.
0: Well, listen, thank you to our guests, Stephanie McNeil, Adrian Lawrence, Katie Natopoulos, Lysandra Villa, Rob Delaney, Sharon Horgan, Kelly Keegs, and of course, Justin Baldoni.
1: That was a lovely conversation. Thank you. Thank you, you, corrupt rich white people. Thank Mm. you all. It was a gift. You made our job so much easier, honey. (laughs) I slept well last night. Anyway, we'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Don't do crimes, children. Don't do crimes. Or do I don't know. It's kind of fun. It's kind of you. Give me something to talk about. <laughs>